I'm going to do a quick shout-out, and then we are going to turn control of the deck over to our friends with the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast. Medical Hospitality has asked me to announce throughout the day to let people know it is hot, the sun is shining, it is gorgeous, you need to stay hydrated, you need to wear your sunscreen, you need to keep your headgear on. Please drink at least one bottle of water for every hour that you are out there in the sun. One bottle of water for every hour in the sun. Up here on deck, we're going to give them about, about the first five minutes of the show before we cut to a break. So you can come in and do your mor- good mornings, and, and, then we'll do, and then we'll cut to a break at 10.30, a quick break, and you come back on. I'm getting the we are look from Jack. There was, there was confusion this morning. We were waking up, and we didn't know if it was 10, 10.30, and it turned out it was 10.20. Well, first we had to figure out whether it was Saturday, Sunday, and whether the Cordoba was blue or red. <laughs> Switch the mic on, Jack. It works the, better. Uh, <laughs> like so many of Dave's references, I, I just smile and say, yeah, cool, Dave. That's okay, Dave. I know it was. Now, the following program is brought to you by the members of the UncontrolledAirspacePodcast.com, proud sponsors of the hardwired Internet. If you have been listening to our stream this week and not had to reconnect several times, make sure that you let Jack Hodgson, Jeb Burnside, and Dave Higdon know that you appreciate their donating the hardwired internet to Sun and Fun Radio. We are so grateful for you guys doing that. we got a great banner out here. I'm, I'm really hoping that the, the play, banner placement has got everybody knowing that uncontrolled airspace is there, knowing what it is. And without further ado, I am going to turn this over to the members of the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast, but I have a very special introduction to do first. <laughs> now, see, Jeb's just you're get, lucky. You're lucky we're in public, Dave. Jeb's getting up and walking off the deck right now. <laughs> no, Dave's walking off the deck before Jeb hits him. Gentlemen, I'm not going to take this abuse much longer. Well, you can you can take the abuse. Well, you're not going. You don't have to take my abuse, but you got to take their I, abuse. Well, that's a different thing. For the next hour and a half, control of the Sun and Fun Radio deck has been turned over to. Uncontrolled airspace podcast. The voices in your head. Take it away, boys. All right, he's he's. Well, this will come up at the next board meeting. <laughs> Welcome, folks, to episode 280 of Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast. We are back again. It's a spring break for pilots, the 2012 edition of the Sun and Fun Fly-In. And today is the closing day of this year's fly-in, and we're on location this morning again on the deck of Sun and Fun Radio. Uh, and our wonderful hosts again uh, are uh, Dave Shellbetter and the staff for our sixth consecutive year, I believe, if I've got the count right. Do we have the count right, Doc? Yeah. Seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Six. You know, you know that when we get to the eleventh, we aren't going to want him to count it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he counted that off on his fingers, folks. <laughs> it's a radio show, David. Yeah, I know. Well, that, that's the whole humor behind it. But I, I do have to say, yeah, that when, it, when it gets to two eighty-five, Sal. Yeah. When when Jeb made his comment right before your wonder, nice job with the introduction. You've done this before, haven't you? Oh, well, you know, I try. Jeb made a comment about the board meetings. I used to be in the corporate world. I know why they call them board, board meetings. meetings. <laughs> but they spell it wrong. They always say B O A R D. Yeah. They got that wrong. Well, that's because you didn't come properly equipped. Uh-huh. Bring a big board, and you'll shorten up the board meetings. There we go. Yep. 
All right, gentlemen, take it away. I got chairman stuff to do. TTFN. I'm here on the deck of Sun and Fun Radio with my two very, very good friends. Uh, say hello to you guys. First of all, Jeb's right next to me, so I'll go with Jeb first. Good morning, Jeb Burnside. How are you doing this I'm morning? I'm doing well, Jack Hodgson. Thank you for asking. How are you today? I, I just wanted to say your whole name for people who don't know it. You know, uh-huh. like, you know I, we usually do this very formally when we do the regular podcast, and we come out here on the deck and we hardly introduce each other. So I was, hi, how are you doing? Doing well. Had a good night's sleep. I hope I didn't. Uh, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> 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 Good night's sleep and uh, restful uh, uh, morning and uh, ready to rock and roll here. Um, got a lot on my plate here today and tomorrow, but that's okay. The air mattress that I've been sleeping on for the last week has been gradually losing its air every night, and it gets softer and softer. And uh, Kind of like Jeb. <laughs> and uh, it's... Uh, you know, I'm very grateful for this air mattress, but it is an experience that it gets softer and softer as the week progresses. So uh, There's this thing called an air pump? Yeah, I know, but there's also this thing called it was dark and 10 o'clock at night when we climbed into the uh, little tent uh, there. I wish it had been 10 o'clock. I think it was a lot later. Yeah, it was than lighter that. than that. So, uh, Central well, it, time. It, 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 it was 10 o'clock in uh, mountain time zone. Right, exactly. Yeah, but, but by, the, I woke, by the time I woke up this morning, I, there were portions of my body that were actually touching the ground through the mattress, you know, and uh, so... Experience. Tango Mike Alpha. Yeah. Tango Mike India. <laughs> uh, how are you doing? So you've been away for a couple of days. But, yeah, uh, I had to, had to head home and do some, some real work for a few days. Uh, got back yesterday afternoon um, in time for our little uh, uh, beer bash. And, um, yeah, it was a good week. Yeah, cool. And my other good friend, Dave Higdon's here. Hi, David. How are you doing this morning? It has been a wonderful morning so yes. far, and getting to hang out with my buds here and watch the crowds go by, see airplanes fly, hear airplane noise, this aroma of av gas in the nostrils. It's it's and waffles and waffles, and it just doesn't get any better. Nope, it, it doesn't, and uh, it's just a delightful morning here. Um, uh, hopefully, it'll be a great. Had a little bit of rain yesterday afternoon, kind of uh, knocked down the dust a little bit. But it should be a great day here today. Yeah. So, uh, yes, David. And this is Jack Hodgson. Oh, and I'm Jack Hodgson. (laughs) No, no, I got plenty of that. It's okay. Uh, High atop the deck, the radio deck. It's fun and fun. Anyways. uh, So, yeah, uh, our our good buddy Dave Schaubetter kind of threw this over to us a little bit earlier than I was expecting. I thought we were going to have like a full half hour uh, uh, segment right away. So before we get started into the big conversation I want to talk about, I think we're going to jump in now and do this quick break uh, for Sun and Fun Radio. So, and now suddenly all the folks in the booth are scrambling. Oh, wait a minute, he's going to do it now? So, uh, if you guys are ready, give me a thumbs up that you're ready for the break. Okay. So, uh, we're out here on the deck at Sun and Fun 2012, and you'll be ba- we'll be back with uh, more uncontrolled airspace in just a minute. Clear. You're going to be hearing a little bit of background noise throughout the day, but it's just airplanes, so it's not, it's it's not really noise. good background noise. That's yeah, right. this, is, this is the best seat in the house. That's right. We got Skyriders now. We got Skyriders. We got Skyriders now. Does that say UCAP? I can't. It's got a runway in the front yard. (laughs) And you're on site, clear away. Checky National Ground, good afternoon, sir. Taxi via Foxtrot and Alpha. Back on the deck here at Sun and Fun Radio. Uh, it is a beautiful morning. My goodness gracious. But uh, It's a beautiful morning in the neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to be joined uh, later throughout the uh, 90 minutes uh, by uh, a couple of our friends here in the uh, Uncontrolled Airspace Virtual Hangar. But uh, uh, for a little while, I just want to talk among ourselves here uh, and kind of you know check, uh, check in, catch up. You're really going to put the people through this. Uh, we are. It's true. 
Um, go figure. They like to hear what, what you guys have to say. So, of six years, I'm still amazed. Uh-huh. Here's my question for the two of you: uh, What what has been the most interesting thing that you've come across? There's a lot of interesting things going on at at Sun and Fun, but uh, I'm wondering if you can kind of you know what's one that jumps out at you. And I'm going to start with David because he's been here a little bit more. I've uh, sampled a variety of new things here this week. That's kind of the reason why I'm here. And one of them really fascinated me. I didn't catch on to it when I first heard about it last year, but it's Aspen Avionics Connected Panel and Connected Pilot System, mm-hmm. which is basically an add-on box to work with their glass stack and a number of uh, uh, WASP GPS navigators. You take your tablet computer, iPad or something else with whatever flight planning program that you like to use, you load it up and then wirelessly load it into your GPS. It takes about 20 seconds. It confirms the data points in your flight plan or in the approach or or, or departure procedure. Uh, Rather than sitting in the airplane, twisting knobs, punching buttons, you do that in the over breakfast at, uh, at at the IHOP uh, or in your hotel room or at the home in the office. You could do it on your desktop, load it into your portable device, however. When you turn on the uh, panel, you push a couple of buttons, over it goes. You can even tune radio frequencies, uh, change the flight plan. All of it takes about 20 seconds once you sit down behind it. Now, how does that connect? How does the, how does the tablet connect to the devices in the panel? Is it... Bluetooth or a wire? or I believe you have... It, this is wireless. It, this is wireless. It may be Wi-Fi. It may be Bluetooth. It depends on what the, the, the tablet has because the little box will do both. I see. Okay. And uh, I'm not clear on, on how these things fit in terms of, like, IFR certified. Is it... This is a piece of, uh, of TSO equipment that's an add-on. You don't really see the box, although you might see... A USB plug in the panel so that you can load stuff through a USB connection like database updates. Uh, but, yeah, the Aspen stuff being certified will work with a number of GPS receivers. It's the satellite navigation receiver that's a main certification item uh, that will work with this. And this is just a conduit, and all they have to do is make sure that it's accurate. The last couple of years, there's been a lot of this, uh, you know, connecting your mobile device either to your airplane or just using it in flight planning and, and so forth. Uh, early in the week, David, I, thought, I think I heard you say that one of the things you were going to be watching this week was, you know, like iPad or tablet-related things. Did you have an opportunity to do that? Uh, I've been sampling some of them. I'm not quite done with that yet, uh, but there's a project on my desk that uh, is uh, re- requiring me to learn about those and then write a piece. Uh, the uh, number and diversity of these things is really kind of amazing. There was a, an explosion of them here last year. Uh, I don't think there's that many more this year, but there are more. And uh, the variety and, and what they'll do for you and how they work is uh, really pretty stunning. Mm-hmm. Jeb, I know you're a pretty active user of a tablet for, uh, you have been even prior to the iPad uh, era, but uh, what is it you use, if you care to tell us what software you use these days, is it working for you, I guess is my ultimate question. I I use ForeFlight, uh, and uh, yes, it works for me. Uh, There are some things I'd like to to see, you know, modified or changed, Um, but, uh, you know, picking back up on on Dave's comments about... um, 
you know, uploading flight plans uh, via Wi-Fi or via Bluetooth uh, from from an, uh, a tablet or iPad. Uh, I recently, uh, doing some research for, as they say, another article, another uh, a publication, um, recently came across um, some hardware actually from Garmin that uh, will put Wi-Fi in the airplane. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, the uh, context in which I came across it had to do with uh, downloading um, um, flight um, data. Uh, a lot of avionics these days uh, uh, will record various parameters. Um, at, at its simplest form, we're talking about, um, say, a JPI, uh, engine monitor, recording uh, EGT and CHT values every six seconds or something like that. Uh, in its more complicated form, you have uh, uh, installed avionics from both Garmin and, and Avidyne, for example, um, that are recording things like altitude, airspeed, pitch attitude, G-forces, all of this various data, sort of like a, a miniature flight data recorder, uh, a black box that we're all, we all are familiar with uh, in the context of uh, uh, airline uh, uh, operations. Um, but... Um, these avionics, these installed avionics nowadays, will store all this data the same way a, a black box will. Uh, retrieving it uh, is uh, not so much problematic. Uh, you slap in a, a USB card or a CF card or something like that into a receptacle, and, and the, uh, the hardware automatically uh, uh, stores uh, the flight data on that card. Uh, but as I say, I recently became aware that uh, Garmin, has a uh, an add-on box. Uh, it's not something you'd see on the panel. It mounts, you know, out of sight. Um, that provides a Wi-Fi uh, signal from the airplane, mm -hmm. so that uh, if you taxi in and and uh, I guess push the right button uh, before you shut down, all of your all that flight's data can be downloaded. Uh, presuming you set it all up, can be downloaded to another computer. And uh, I think it's actually a fixed IP address, depending on how you set up. So the, it's uh, it's. It's, the, uh, it's for a Wi-Fi, just a Wi-Fi connection between the, the panel airplane. device and whatever portable mobile device you. Well, I, I would I would label it between the um, um, the airplane. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, obviously, another node has to be nearby right. for for it to receive the data. But uh, the data is downloaded. Yeah. Uh, and that's that to me is really cool. And I, I presume because it is Wi-Fi, of course. Uh, I presume uh, it can go both ways. Yeah, uh, and uh, just a matter of hardware, software, and, but it does, and certification it, standards, of course, to to make sure that it gets uh, uh, the appropriate data in the appropriate. Right, but place. it's not for the purpose of providing an internet connection. No, 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 no. It's just for interconnecting the devices that. It, it's for transferring data that right. the device and the airplane you're stores. Ask, you're asking me to characterize why Garmin or some other manufacturer would come up with a Wi-Fi box for installation in an airplane, and I can't do that. Well, I can tell you how, it's, how, it, how it can be used, yeah. what their motivation is, I can't tell you. Right. I mean, similarly to the way my quadricopter, my uh -huh. AR drone, right. has a Wi-Fi exactly. uh, uh, access point in it, right. and that's how you connect to it. Right. But it doesn't provide Internet connectivity. It just provides a data link you, between... You've got a local area network yeah, right. done over exactly. Wi-Fi. Yeah. Uh, but the other node that to which the, uh, the box in the airplane is talking can, in fact, have uh, an Internet connection. Right. And and what you do with that is is you yes. know, kind of your. Yes, I see what you're saying. Yep. But uh, you know, keying keying on this whole Wi-Fi in the cockpit thing, though, too. Uh, one of the neater things I saw. Uh, well, there's two really neat things. Um, one was Fifi. 
Yes, that's right. I, I, good, you're, and, ju- you're jumping and, ahead. And I uh, uh, just saw her make a low pass here earlier. It might have been a yeah. departure pass. I'm not sure. But, but Jack and I were, were lucky enough to see her land uh, uh, earlier. Well, I guess it's day one. Um, made a couple of passes, made a couple of patterns, low pass and, and whatnot, and then landed and rolled out. And, and, and that was very cool. That's just something that I, I, I've, I've seen Fifi before, but it's been a while. And, uh, of course, she's been through a major overhaul and, and is really looking good. It was, just, it was just a pleasure to see that airplane flying again and see it here at Sunnyvale. And that's been a real treat because she's participated in some of the afternoon air show work with the Warbirds doing flybys with the Bombay open right, and right. the pyro people, you know, uh, torch off some stuff on the ground. You get the big boom, big smoke. But she is such an elegant piece of machinery right. in the really, air. Right. really is. This morning, uh, probably the same viewing you know, sighting that you had this morning, I was wandering around out here in the outdoor exhibits area and uh, just kind of looking for inspiration for what we were going to talk about on this podcast. And uh, as Fifi took off and, and as Fifi was kind of climbing out slowly, myself included, everybody out there in the exhibit areas kind of stopped and looked and just kind of watched. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's that kind of an experience yeah. for everybody here, yeah. I think. Well, let me uh, close out a little bit on my the, the little Wi-Fi discussion. What we're seeing in this part of general aviation with this stuff now is actually kind of trickling down from the high-end business turbine equipment, which in the last couple of years has gravitated to Wi-Fi systems for their avionics so that the airplane can get on the ground and the shop can update databases and download flight data, engine operation data, parameters for quality control without anything being plugged into it. It's a secure connection. And they set this up so that big jet... It must. They set this stuff up so that the airplane comes in. It's going to be on the ground overnight. It's going to go out, maybe gone a couple of days. The database is going to lapse. Rather than have the mechanic have to trundle out the airplane, fire it up while it's still running on the ground, they can wirelessly upload the database update to the right. panel yeah. avionics, yeah. and it's ready to go. It takes a few minutes. Yeah. Fighter plane just took off out in front of us here. Um, you know, oh, it's another example. It's like we're all here chatting on the deck, but when the fighter plane starts to make its noise, like three or four people come for out from inside the radio station building. You don't, want to get, you don't want to be standing in the doorway when that happens. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, leaning off porches down here. And they, what was that? But, but Dave's talking about trickling down from, you know, the BizJet and turboprop communities, and that's certainly valid. There's also a lot of trickle up, I think. There is. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for example, yeah. looking looking at the iPad and looking at, at ForeFlight as an app on the iPad, um, that really got its start in, in light GA. That really got its start in personal aircraft operations. And now you've even got people uh, or organizations uh, uh, as visible and as notable as Jeppesen embracing uh, the iPad in the cockpit and doing testing. And the FAA, of course, is, has uh, a blessed... Uh, uh, iPads in, in various ways for various operators. Um, so you really got a trickle-up situation in, in, uh, from that standpoint. And um, uh, one of the things that I saw uh, here this week, and I think we've talked about it, maybe we... Uh, I think someone actually brought it to our attention uh, at our first show uh, early in the week. Um, but it's basically an ADSB connection uh, to an iPad... Via Wi-Fi also. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, the ADSB connection is, is uh, a small box, battery-powered or, or ship's power. It can be placed pretty much anywhere in the airplane. 
it has a Wi-Fi chip in it that talks in turn to the iPad or, or any other device, I would presume. Uh, right now, I believe this uh, works uh, via Forflight. Mm-hmm. Uh, is available from Sporties, um, and it's, it's, it's not you know insignificant as far as uh, price is concerned. But it, by the time, for example, in my situation, if I were to go out and acquire this box um, and, uh, and get it running and up and running and everything like that, I would have everything on my iPad that my Garmin 396 now provides as far as Nextrad weather, um, text text-based weather, things of this sort. I can sell the 396 on eBay. Yeah, I know. A lot of people are... T- so this is the system that allows you to access the ADSB weather, so-called ADSB weather? Well, I wouldn't call it so-called, but yeah. 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 Um, and in Florida especially, um, ADSB is fairly well-developed. Well, uh, uh, yep. Other areas of the country also. Yeah. Yeah. A lot and of people that, seem that to be talking you, about that system. That gets you the same kind of weather products as some of the subscription services right. and can also get you traffic. Right. Yeah, I'm not sure traffic is part of this particular package, um, but I, I, I certainly would be uh, um, I, I certainly be convinced or educated yeah. on that. You know, it, it occurs to me that you know, that the, we've we've now spent about ten ten Heads minutes up. talking. Heads up. Look right. Oh, here we go. Oh, two fighters. Nice little formation there. I love the smell of Jet A in the morning. The fact that we just spent 10 or 15 minutes talking about, uh, uh, you know, these avionic devices, I think is an indication of the fact that we're at a very exciting time in in avionics, in aircraft electronics, you know, with uh, all the advances in in in-panel stuff and uh, tablet stuff and the mobile devices that are interconnecting. I mean, you guys have been hanging out around aviation for a lot longer than I have um, and, and paying attention to these systems for a lot longer. Is this a, a, a revolutionary time in avionics? I, I, if, if it's not a revolutionary time, it's certainly evolution at faster than the pace of Mother Nature. I, I would echo that. It's evolutionary. I, I think the, the, the revolution in avionics occurred back in the late 90s, uh, mid to late 90s, uh, with the advent of GPS. Okay. I yeah. think uh, that uh, alone... Uh, triggered so many different uh, innovations, so many different products. Uh, that in and of itself was a revolution. Right now, we're in uh, uh, the aftermath of that event, and uh, we're seeing some really neat products. We're seeing some really neat capabilities. We're seeing um, um, stuff available in in an LSA mm-hmm. that wasn't available in a 747. 15, 20 years ago. Uh, and that's revolutionary in and of itself. Uh, what we're seeing, though, I think uh, since that point in time is a maturation uh, of this technology and uh, uh, acceptance of the many different things it can do uh, to us and for us. Yeah. Well, yeah. and the evolution has, has continued for, for such a long period. For example, you know, you, you hear... You know, in all sorts of different tones, uh, the topic of the FAA's next generation air traffic control system, next gen, and what it's going to require, and the hassles, and the cost, and all that stuff. Nonetheless, if you're flying with a WASP GPS, you're benefiting from one of the foundational elements of next gen, and that's the wide area augmentation system that's installed around the United States. Mm -hmm. In a little research work that I've done here, 
Uh, I was able to fly a couple of instrument approaches earlier in the week in a couple of different airplanes that were mirrors to an instrument landing system, and there was no ILS there. It was an LPV approach, and it was an LPV approach, lateral precision with vertical guidance. It looks just like an ILS on the screen and the indicators, but there's no ground station. It, it's all uh, We're able to do this because of how accurate WASP has, has made GPS. So now there are more airport runway ends with LPV approaches than there are runway ends with ILS approaches. So it's an evolutionary revolution. I think we're going to continue this conversation in the regular podcast in some future issues. There's obviously a lot of things to talk about here and a lot of things to uh, explore. Talk to me in a a couple of weeks. Um, Not to toot my horn, but uh, I'll be attending the uh, Aircraft Electronics Association's annual meeting uh, this week in Washington, at which there will be uh, some some uh, avionic-related announcements, new products, things things of this sort. Probably. uh, uh, Talk to me in a couple of weeks. Let me ask you about the fly-in in general. Um, it, it's been a great week. It's been a very pleasant week with one sl- like half-hour exception. The weather's been just flawless, uh, and uh, uh, it, it's been a nice week. But there have been some changes here uh, at Sun and Fun this year, and I'm wondering if uh, uh, you have any reactions to them. Uh, obviously, Sun and Fun has a new leader since last year, uh, and it's, you know, He's only been on board for a little while, so we're going to need to give the guy maybe a little bit more time to, to find his way and, and make his, you know, mark. But any thoughts at this point? My uh, brief encounters with uh, uh, John Leanhouse goes by the call sign Lights. Uh, very pleasant guy, very sharp guy. Uh, most of my impression has come through the volunteers and the vendors that are old hands here uh, who have a contact level different than mine with the leadership and uh some of the changes you know teething problems with them and change doesn't always come easily to some people but for the most part for the most part they've worked really well they've been positive the show's been run really well we've seen some changes i expect we'll see more uh all in all i'd say that they've done a great job on a first pass with new leadership yeah, I mean, I, I won't put you on the spot. I'll take I'll take the uh, the responsibility for saying that one of the the areas that I think they a good idea, uh, uh, a well intentioned idea. They built a new or they created a new media center um, this year, and uh, as a facility, it's awesome. I mean, it's just got great facilities and a lot of space, and uh, you know, it's a really but. It's, low, it's, a, it's a building that's used for other things during the rest of the year, and it's kind of off on the edge of the world. And, uh, um, you know, I, I would you know, use this platform to urge them to rethink that. Uh, and I think there, there's already recognition of the fact that the Tom Davis Center is the building that uh, Jack's referring to. It's an educational center. Uh, it's right across the street from the new uh, aviation high school that they built here a couple of years ago. Beautiful facility. It does have the benefit of bigger bathrooms <laughs> and a room that you can hold press conference in that's never interrupted by the sounds of taxiing airplanes. Right. But it is so far from where we need to be to do our jobs that coming out, coming back to the building and working on a story, cranking out a piece, going back, uh, it, it doesn't work well for that. And you miss the opportunity to stand and encounter people Exactly from the right. Industry that are important for the journalists to talk to, who we could always just stand next to the fence and see them come by, talk with them, visit them with them. From up there, 
they've been great with providing golf cart transportation to help move us in and out. Uh, but it's not a, a, a good location, and it's a little different than what you find at most events of this size. Yeah. So, so. There, uh, we've heard there's already recognition of that. Uh, and they're working on a problem. Yeah. But it was all done with the best intentions. I have no doubt. I have no doubt. And, you know, I'm, you, know you don't always make improvements without having, you know, faltering occasionally. Um, well, another area, some of us are kind of slow to change. Yeah. Another area, that's, and something that you, if you kind of look closely, I think you see it, but it's not readily apparent, and that is the, uh, the, the emergency preparedness has changed this year. Um, you know, perhaps because we had the very real world and you know experience last year with the uh, tornado, but uh, you know if you look around, there's a lot more of that kind of emergency preparedness. Things are tied down a little better. Um, you know, the, the uh, emergency procedures are, are spelled out a little bit from time to time, and uh, and that seems to be a real positive thing. They've done that without it being heavy-handed. It seems to me, um, and uh, and and that's you know my hats off to them on that regard. Well. No place can prepare for every contingency, top to bottom. Mother Nature, mankind, they do have a way of throwing us a surprise from time to time that we never really considered before. Last year's little March twister was, uh, was of, that, of that nature. And in the smart way that they operate, they saw what happened, they saw what could be done better, and they went to work to make it better. Yeah. And I think they've succeeded at a large level. Yeah, Jeb. Anything you want to add to this? Um, no, uh, I, I think uh, that the changes since last year um, in the disaster preparedness arena uh, are um, um, both quality and, and uh, are evident in both quality and quantity. Let's put it that way. There, there's been a lot of subtle changes. Uh, all of them, I think, uh, for the better. Hopefully, we won't have to uh, find out any time in the near future how, how well those changes uh, are designed and, and how well uh, the, the, the organization can react to that kind of a yeah, problem. Yeah, although I think, I think yesterday afternoon, everybody kind of had a little bit of kind of like, you know. There was a little deja vu. I there saw was. Some, I saw some, some Twitters uh, from, some tweets from uh, uh, Sun and, the official Sun and Fun account uh, talking about, no, this, you know, this is not a squall line. This is... Uh, just some random uh, showers moving through the area. You know, please don't be alarmed. But it was it was the communication part of this that uh, that struck me. I think that's certainly a a, um, a better effort on their part um, than was the case last year. Last year was an anomaly. Yeah. Uh, in in so many different ways. Um, I wouldn't say they were unprepared, but they were just unfamiliar with. Oh, you know, we need to, you know, be a little bit more communicative here and, and, and get the word out and make sure people are prepared. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that bears pointing out, and it's quick, one thing that has not changed at Summit Fund is the friendliness and the helpfulness of the 3,000-odd volunteers that make this all work. As great as ever. Ain't that the truth? For sure. For sure. we got to take a little break here. Uh, let the Sun and Fun Radio people have their airways back for a few minutes to make some announcements, and then we'll be back with more of Uncontrolled Airspace. This is Greg Lane for Chesapeake Sport Pilot. You're listening to Sun and Fun Radio, WPEP 788, 1510 AM, Lakeland, Florida, and on the web at liveatc.net forward slash SNF. Things are starting to pick up this morning out here on the grounds of the 2012 Sun and Fun Fly-In, a steady stream of airplanes uh, in taking off, I guess, uh, out in front of us here to the west. Very good. There You're we back go. with okay. uncontrolled airspace on Sun and Fun Radio, just in case... 
you didn't grok that. And uh, the uh, pedestrians here on the grounds are starting to pick up. There's always a few. We, we, we get here pretty early in the morning, and it's quiet but not dead. Um, but as the morning wears on here, uh, we see more and more people arriving uh, for the day's activities. Exhibit hangars are, uh, if not open, getting ready to open. There's a lot of the outdoor exhibits have been going on for a while now. And uh, everybody's excited. I think or a lot of people are excited about the final performance of the Thunderbirds. The hangars afternoon. are open. People are doing business. There's smiling faces on the field. There's airplanes, airplane people. Uh, it's not much missing from this picture. Yeah, right. And we're we're pleased to be joined now by uh, a pal of ours and uh, the. Uh, let's see, how do you? What did you call yourself? The the chief flight monkey. The uh, I am one of two chief monkeys yeah. at flightmonkeys.com. Jamie Beckett is here. How you doing this morning? I'm really good. I just, I didn't even know you were here. I just smelled waffles and I <laughs> got over this way and encountered a radio show. So I'll take it. Uh, that you, uh, that's so good because usually what we hear people smell is of a totally different. Oh uh, yeah, okay. There <laughs> or what they talk about anyway. <laughs> uh, good morning, Jamie. How are you today? I'm very well. You know, I, I'm like everybody else. I look forward to this like Christmas morning every year, and by Sunday, I'm really looking forward to laying down. And like you, I camped out during the show a little bit this year, even though I live here. I went for the full experience and uh, gave my daughter the air mattress. I slept on the ground and. I'm really not in shape to do no, that. Anymore. That's that's no, 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 yeah. that's dedication. That's <laughs> dedication. That's, well, no, it's that's a father's love. Exactly. Yeah? Exactly. <laughs> so um, earlier in the first segment, I, I asked, I put Dave and, and Jeb on the spot here, asking them what was the most interesting thing, and then I neglected to talk about what my most interesting thing was. Um, and in a minute, I'm going to ask Jamie what your most interesting thing has been. My most interesting thing was a little bit. Uh, uh, not a big, big deal, but the, I, this, I've been thinking about this all week long. Um, John, I think his name is John Moore, spelled M-O-H-R, air show performer, uh, flies a steerman in the show here. Uh, and, and he did an act um, that I caught a bit of it on Monday and have been trying to catch more of it ever since then. Uh, on one level, it's your, just a basic, you know, no you know, pyrotechnics uh, air show act in a Stearman, you know, which is, is you know... No jet engine attached to no it. No jet engine okay. attached to it. So it's a very beautiful uh, display of aerobatic uh, maneuvers. And, and that alone would have caught my attention. But towards the end of his act, he did a maneuver that I've never seen before, uh, certainly this close. And that is he, he appeared to be doing the kind of falling leaf stall thing that, that some of our instructors have, have, have had us do to kind of you know, practice controlling the aircraft. One of my favorites. And, uh, and to actually, if I'm correct that that's what he was doing, and it sure looked like it, um, he did it from about maybe 500 feet up here over show center, and he just basically came down, and he must have been coming down at like a 60-degree angle as he was floating down. And, you know, there were times when he almost appeared to stop his, fo- his ground motion, you know, and, and to just watch that airplane kind of do this kind of falling leaf kind of maneuver um, as it came down and down and down. And where we are back here near the radio station, um, uh, our, our our view down low is blocked by the exhibit tents, and so the airplane kind of disappeared behind the, ter- you know, on the other side of the tents. And I never, you know, you're watching it going, okay, I know this guy is going to be able to get out of this, you know, but when's he going to do it? And he literally did the falling leaf thing until I lost sight of him, and then a few moments later, I saw him climbing out off to the right. But, you uh, can do that in my airplane. Once. <laughs> it was a very, very beautiful maneuver. I, I you know. I, I've all I've thought for some time now that that the the best air show maneuvers are not the extreme, you know, 
Um, it's, it's like David said the other day on one of the dailies. David, we were talking about the Thunderbirds, David, and, and your comment, as I recall, was that, that the, the, the noise and the zoom and the, is kind of, but the really beautiful thing about the Thunderbirds is the precision, yeah. right? It's the simpler aspects of that performance that make it most profound, for my, me anyways. My, my opportunities to do formation flying for photographic purposes, and as many as four aircraft in my viewfinder at once, so impressed with me the challenges of precision maneuvering and then a little opportunity to do a little back seat ride and i have never stopped being awed by how close together they can fly how tightly they can move and this isn't all just straight and level stuff uh it's you know formations of four doing slow rolls all the way over and and just from the ground it doesn't look like they're wavering at all no but yes i know what you're talking about see it from the cockpit you'd notice that there's work going on there constantly. There's a little more activity when you're yeah. up close, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah, and I've never seen it from the cockpit, but there's a video floating around on the Internet of a guy who got to that similar ride, and he's shooting video from the whole time. And it's just, first of all, to see how truly close together these airplanes are, and second of all, that, that relative motion that you were talking about that you really don't notice from the ground. But these airplanes are definitely kind of getting buffeted a little bit, and they're buffeting each other, and they're correcting, and, you know, it's not a rock-solid formation. Air happens. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's that sort of precision elegance that I find uh, most appealing. Years ago, um, when I was still living out on the West Coast, um, there was a, uh, a particular air show act that only appeared out there in the area. It was a, a woman uh, by the name of Amelia Reed, a great aviation name. Amelia Reed um, was uh, the uh, matriarch of a uh, flight operation, FBO operation, at, at Reed Hillview Airport near San o- in San Jose, California. And... Uh, um, she used to do uh, an air show performance in a 150 Aerobat. I mean, this is after, like, all the, you know, Pitts biplane acts have gone on. She'd go out in her 150 and just rivet the crowd doing, you know, just in, in an airplane that we all fly, she's doing, you know, all the, all the standard aerobatic maneuvers, and it's great, you know. And uh, Amelia was a great, and she's since passed away, but she was a, a legend out there, is a legend out there. The, the, the rumor is that she's the one who gave Sean Tucker his first uh, aerobatic uh, instruction. Hmm. So, so J- Jamie, you you've gotten more involved with the local aviation community than the average Joe. You know, it's not just belonging to the Aero Club. Yeah, and since that being elected to office because you wanted to see some things going better at Gilbert Winterhaven, that started to happen. But you've moved way beyond that, and you seem to be developing a community movement on behalf of aviation and the airports in the county. And I'm curious how that all came about. Well, I've been really lucky, and thanks for bringing it up. But, you know, we do have Sun and Fun here in Polk County. That's where I live, Polk County. I'm a city commissioner in Winterhaven, the second biggest city in Polk. But because I'm a flight instructor and I write about aviation, and, and really I've just transitioned into being an advocate for aviation, it's, it's kind of my job now. I saw an opportunity to do something that no one had ever done here, which was bring together all the municipally owned airports and the big tourist draws like Fantasy of Flight and Sun and Fun, put them together, and we formed something called the Polk Aviation Alliance. Now, this is very sophisticated in planning, so you may have to take notes. What you do to get this rolling is you email somebody and say, want to go to lunch? <laughs> okay. And, and that was literally it. I, I don't have any official standing to do this, but I sent an email to all the, the airport managers and said, Let's just get together for lunch. We have an airport restaurant at my place. Let's get together and sit down and talk. And it was great. Lights came from Sun Fun, John Burton, uh, 
airport managers from all the municipal airports. And really, we started a conversation that nobody had ever had. How do the local airports help support Sun and Fun? How does Sun and Fun do things that will help leverage success for those local airports? How do we start explaining to our business communities that aviation matters to you, even if you own a hardware store or a hairdressing shop? Aviation is important to your economy. And we got that ball rolling. And, and I've got to say, it's been very successful so far, at least to the extent that we're now talking and, and working together to communally raise all boats. You've gotten a conversation started. And, and anybody can do it. It's, I'm not special. Anybody in any community, any county in America can, can do it because aviation really does matter to your business community. So how's this moving forward at this point? You've got the lunch. They got, came together, Polk Aviation, Polk County Aviation Alliance. Where does it go next? Well, we, for this Sun and Fun, because it's only less than six months old, we sort of set up a thing where we, we decided that the municipal airports were going to support Sun and Fun. In the case of my airport, Winter Haven, we sell wristbands at the FBO. We run a shuttle from there to here. We have camping. So if you don't want to fly into Lakeland Linder or if you can't find a hotel, that's okay. Come on down. You can, you can land at our airport, Bartow, Lake Wales. Uh, we'll eventually be bringing in private airports and things. But by shuttling people in here, making it easier to get here, and make, you know, a big part of this is the social aspect, it really does start to have an economic impact here that expands out. And that does matter. You know, USF, University of South Florida did an economic impact study in the last couple of years when the economy was down. Economic impact of Sun and Fund is $64 million on the region. This isn't small change. This really does matter. So by spreading it out, and getting all those other airports involved, it really will increase its size and its impact overall. We're standing by for jet noise. <laughs> yeah, we got another. Uh, we didn't actually see it because it was down below the tent line. I that, was a, was, that was a T craft, wasn't it? Yeah, that's what it was. Uh, it was. It was almost certainly a fighter plane of some sort staying down low in the ground effect to gain speed, and then he did a zoom way down to our left. Sound, but, sound like a T-craft with some F-114. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> My back's to the runway. I can't tell. I still can't find this airplane. He's like probably at 40,000 feet by now. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I believe he's over the bay now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If I remember correctly, the major north-south road closest to us to the west is County Line Road. Correct? Yeah, that's what and it's that's called. another county over there. Yes, it is, Hillsborough. Have, have the folks at Plant City Airport said, uh, we'd like to be in on this. You know, that would be my dream come true. If, if people started to recognize outside county boundaries, because we create all these artificial boundaries having to do with taxing areas and things. The fact is, aviation, unlike anything else, it really does cross all town, city, state, county boundaries. It just, I mean, look at us around the table. We're from all over the country. But we come together here every year, we mix and match, and we do business, and, and frankly, that's the way this works. Yeah. So uh, I, many of us admire the fact that you stepped up and became a county, it's a county commissioner. City commissioner. City commissioner. A please, city com please don't elevate me. It's oh, enough okay. headaches at the city level. Well, in a way, that's what I was going to ask you about. But uh, have you announced your candidacy for, for re-election? I have another year and a half to go on this term, and yeah, I'll run again. I, that, that was Because my I've been successful, not because my ego enjoys it. We've gotten some things done that are important, mm -hmm. frankly. And, it, and I'm not an altogether aviation commissioner by any means. It's just that's my background. My city owns an airport. You have a responsibility to run it well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Coming back here to Sun and Fun, uh, maybe you've touched on this, but what did you find most interesting this past week? You know, it was today. This morning when I was here, like you say, I get here early like everyone else who's in the media and run around. And I ran into a kid, Benjamin Greenblatt, who's out of Georgia. He's 12 years old, and he was down in the Antiques and Classics area pre-flighting an absolutely beautiful J-4 Cub for his dad. They're getting ready to hop in and fly home, and his dad told me on the five-hour flight, Benjamin flew four and a half hours of it on the way down. <laughs> and, you know, that's one of my advocacy things. We've, I'm 53, and often when I go to an aviation event, I'm one of the young guys. We have to convince younger people this really is accessible to you. You really can do this. You don't start out in an F-18. You start in something right. like a Cub or a T-Craft or a Champ, and it's frankly look out the window flying. You don't need a big complex panel, and, and there's a lot. You know, you're talking about LPV approaches. That's I, great. I, I started flying ultralights IFR. I followed the roads. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, I, I'll tell you, I've taught a lot of students how to do their first solo cross country from Winter Haven down to Charlotte County because Route 17 goes right down. There's nothing wrong with using that as a landmark. Yeah. I went, uh, when I was working on my primary training, the airport from which I was flying was like a half a mile from Interstate 75. And, you know, fly east to west long enough, you'll find the interstate, and then you can get home. So, It's a valid method. Yeah, it Absolutely. is. I, and, yeah, and, and, and you, you kind of push one of my buttons. I, I don't think there's a lack of young people who are uh, interested in aviation. Um, I, I've been saying, I, I would agree with that. I, I've been campaigning for a while now that the issue is how to finance flight training and access to aircraft. Well, it's part well, of that's that. part of it. And yeah. it's partly adults. And, and we did a Flight Monkeys podcast the other day here, and I brought this up. My daughter is our kid correspondent. She's 13 years old. She started flying when she was 10. And she had a teacher last year ask everybody in the class, what do you want to be when you grow up? And she said, I want to be a fighter pilot. And the teacher shockingly said, well, honey, that's a man's job. You can't no. do that. Yes, she did. And, and that's what we have to get past, where we have adults in positions of authority right. telling kids, well, you, you can't do that. Well, you, you got 100-year-old women teaching in this school? <laughs> that, that, that's, that's a, that's a gender-based problem as opposed to a, a youth-based uh, problem. Um, I, but it's, it's endemic. I don't say endemic. It, there goes Fifi again. Yeah, look at that. Gears coming up. Um, Just goes to show you, an old girl still can get up and leave here. We're on the block. Fifi's climbing out from our right to left, uh, staying a little bit low. She's gotten up above the tent line, but now she seems to have leveled up. I wish I could get up and ready that that quickly on a Sunday morning at Sun and Fun, but uh, that's another issue. Um, But you've got so many youth who are interested in, in aviation. And uh, we've got Young Eagles, and that's a great program and, and uh, something we all should support. It's made um, a lot of pilots. And, but you also have situations where people are being told, young kids are being told, well, you, you'll never be able to do that. Maybe set your sights a little lower or something, uh, whether it's gender-based or, or, or some other. Uh, maybe it's economic. I don't know. Um, but uh, there are a lot of ways to become involved in aviation other than being uh, a fighter jock. That's true. And I've got to say, I'm very proud in our county. We have an awful lot of opportunity, luckily. We have the Central Florida Aerospace Academy here, which is connected to Kathleen High School. But you can come here and really get a solid aviation education. Start yourself off, whether it's your, your career or your hobby. Uh, in my town, we have a Civil Air Patrol unit that my daughter belongs to. When it came to town... It had about a dozen kids associated with a composite squadron. Now there's about 70. There are kids who want to be part of this, but they keep getting that message, as you say. 
well, you can't do that. Or, and really, a lot of adults, what they mean is, I don't know anything about that, so right. let me shift your right. focus. L- 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 how about Color Guard, or, or how about the band, or, or right. you know, chess club, or something like that? Uh, that would be uh, something with which their parents or, or whoever their other mentor, mentors are are familiar. Well, and I will say, ignorance is a huge part of it. I had a woman in town just scream at me one day when she found out I was letting my then 10-year-old fly. It's hard to explain to someone that statistically it's safer to be in a flight with a flight instructor and a trainer than it is to take a shower in your own house. <laughs> but they don't want to hear that. It's just some terrifying thing. But And I will say in, in the case of my daughter, because I do think it's important to get your ego out of this, she flies with other women. She doesn't fly with me. She flies with women who are CFIs so she can imprint on that, and it's not her dad telling her what to do. Someone she respects of her gender, of her height, is saying, yeah, you can well, do this. Well, we've got... Excuse me, flight instructors and flight schools here that don't seem to do the best job of capturing the prospects that come in their door. I know someone quite well that was looking for a flight instructor to start training, and three or four instructors that she talked to gave her 20 questions about this and that. Finally, she talked to one and said, You know, I could talk to you all about this on the phone, but you know what the best thing would be to. When are you free this week? Come out to the airport. No, no charge. We'll take you around the patch. I'll sit and talk to you a little bit about what's involved. And, and uh, then if you want to go from there, we'll start going to work on it. That was the only one. You're right. It has to be a conversation. When somebody asks me, gee, how long will it take to learn to fly and what will it cost? The most common two questions. They're usually surprised that there's not a pat answer. It depends. What do you want to do? Do you want to be a sport or private? Uh, do you want to own? Do you want to be a part of a flying club? Do you want to rent? What, what's your method? How long it takes and what it costs is entirely up to you and your relationship mm-hmm. with your instructor and how you get access to the plane. It and can be affordable. It can be hellaciously expensive. My usual answer is as fast as you want to, if you're willing to put your, put your mind to it, and the faster you do it, the less expensive it is, and it is less expensive than you've been told. That brochure that you saw at the uh, at, at the airport FBO that says, oh, and we will finance your flight training is one of the scariest-looking things to a lot of people. It's so expensive, i got to finance it? Well, we still have an awful lot of instructors, I'm sorry to say, who have a real animus against sport pilot, which I still can't understand. I do not get I that. I don't get that either. But I... I talk to CFIs weekly who really have an animosity. They don't like it. They think it's dumbed down. And it's not. You look at the practical test standard for sport and private, completion standards are identical. That's They're right. Exactly That's the right. same. And the first 10 hours of a private syllabus and the 10 hours of dual, everything's there. Well, uh, the, first, you, the 10 hours on the sport pilot versus the first 10 of dual. And if you you break down the 20 hours as opposed to 40. The 20 hours that's missing is training for things the sport pilot's not allowed to do. Yeah, That's why you don't do it. It's not because you're dumber or less skilled. You can't fly at night, so we don't do that three hours. You don't do a 75-mile, 125-mile cross-country because you don't do that as a sport usually. Well, and I heard a flight instructor talking to a group of people. He said, well, the reason we don't want that sport pilot time counting toward the private is because they don't learn to do this, that, and the other thing. And I said, are you nuts? Are you deranged? They're not allowed to do that as a sport pilot. You don't do that in the first 10 hours of the private anyway. That's what the second 10 hours of dual. That's where you do that. So tell me what's missing. Well, and he couldn't. He couldn't. He just had 
right well, there in his head. And I've met retired airline pilots and retired military pilots who are flying as sport pilots today, and I do not have the guts to go up to that guy and tell him he's just a sport pilot. Exactly. Yeah, With his background, go. no. Yeah. I, I'm yep. just a CFI. May I stand near you, please? The, the flip side of which, though, too, is, is you know, I have a friend who's a recent private pilot, and uh, she and I were talking a few weeks back, uh, this, that, or the other thing. And, and uh, she was talking about how she uh, had another pilot ride along with her uh, to go into a towered airport. And I'm like, wait a second, time out. So didn't you get towered airport experience as part of your primary training? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I hadn't done it lately, and uh, I wanted, you know, to get somebody to ride along with me. Well, that's that's sound decision making on on, my, on in my yeah, mind. That's just good judgment. That's good judgment. Um, that sort of thing. I said, well, have you been into the Tampa Bravo? Oh no, I haven't, I haven't done that. Uh, would you like to go land at Tampa sometime in your airplane? Oh no, I don't care. Well, of course you can. You might annoy a few people. <laughs> you might not endear yourself to somebody. You may be making an approach faster than you normally exactly, do. Exactly, exactly. But if, if you're more than capable of doing so, you're legally authorized to do this, and you should do it. You should, I think, experience everything that you're legally authorized to do uh, under the guidance of somebody who, who's done it before, as it were, uh, in preparation for the day where you need to do it by yourself. Um, that's a whole other kind of topic, though. The point is that uh, a sport pilot, just like any other certificate, is just a stepping stone. It's a ladder. You climb the ladder, you get to the experience It's levels. another license to learn. It's another yep. license to learn. Yep. Um, we're coming up on another one of our Sun and Fun breaks here, but uh, I, I don't want to uh, say goodbye to you, Jamie, before I find out how are things going with Flight Monkeys. What's, what's the latest? Very well. It, you know, it's an advocacy website and blog with videos. We've added on the kid correspondent this year because I don't think we can get kids charged up about flying if they're listening to a guy in his 50s. But we've, we've really been lucky. We've added on a bunch of people. We've, we've got Kevin Garrison who comes in and writes things and does podcasts. He's a retired Delta pilot who actually learned to fly right here at Lakeland years ago. We've got Eric Crump who's an editor at Glime Publications. And, and frankly, we're getting good traffic, good response from people. I have a great time. And, of course, we remain fans of UCAP because you're the greatest podcast well, going. We, we love to hear you guys monkeying around with aviation. Yeah, so uh, you, now you're doing pretty much daily uh, blog posts and a lot of videos, steady stream of videos, I see. Uh, what, give me a couple examples of some of that subject matter. What, what kinds of things are people... Well, you know, we just did a, pod, a video yesterday with the kid correspondent out at the hot air balloon launch. She's never seen a mass balloon launch, and, and Dave, you and I have been out there before. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, sadly, she still hasn't. Well, you know what, though? We turned it in the favor of the viewer... That's about decision-making. You might have planned it. You might have scheduled it. Wow. Everybody might be here and sure. ready to go. But if the conditions aren't right, in aviation, we err on the side of safety. Pull the plug. It's We're a not learning opportunity. This. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. And there's no, nothing wrong no, with saying No matter how much you want to do it, no matter how much there's riding on it, better to be on the ground. Well, and I'd like to, you know, I, I push safety a lot because if you make safe decisions, you're in aviation a long time. There is no shame in looking out the weather window, looking at the weather, getting your briefing and saying, you know, not today. I'm going to just stay here and have an ice cream sundae. That's the better part of Valor, and there's nothing wrong with it. We we have to get that peer pressure part out, especially for kids, where they start to realize this is about making a good decision, not about making the other guy happy. We have to get some of the self-imposed homesick angel express. 
pressure out of our own heads as well. Well, I've made that mistake, unfortunately, and been in a situation I didn't want to be in, and I was lucky enough to survive it. But I, I really push it seriously and just make good decisions, and that'll help. Yeah. What's the uh, URL for the uh... – Oh, it's complicated. Flightmonkeys.com. Flight mon- There's an S in there. That's the part that trips me up all the time. Yeah, it's Flight Monkeys with a Y, not an I-E-S. It's FlightMonkeys.com. Yeah, E-Y-S.com. That's, That's because there's more than one monkey. Yep. And uh, any of your other activities have a web presence? Does the Alliance have a web presence? Or it doesn't yet. It's actually our next meeting. It may be coming under the Tourist Development Council for the county, which would be good because there's funding with that. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank you for sitting in with us. We always enjoy uh, our, our visits and our chats, and uh, uh, thank you very much. Good luck with all of these activities. It's, Thanks so uh, much, you're Jack. You're a great amb- ambassador and evangelist for general aviation. David, you're signaling me here. We'll be back. We're almost done. Uh, we are going to come back. We're going to take a quick another uh, give the airwaves back to Sun and Fun Radio for a couple of minutes so they can make some announcements. When we come back for our final half hour, we're going to be do- joined by another good friend of the podcast, Dan Johnson of the uh, Light Aircraft Manufacturers Association. Association will be with us. Uh, you're listening to a very special episode of Uncontrolled Airspace on Sun and Fun Radio. This is Nicholas Jackson from the knickknackjack.com podcast. You're listening to Sun and Fun Radio, WPEP 788, 15 10 a.m., Lakeland, Florida, and on the web at liveatc.net slash SNF. David gets all nervous if I don't begin these segments by saying something along the lines of, Welcome back to Sun and Fun Radio at Sun and Fun 2012, and this is a very special episode of the Uncontrolled And a a nervous David is something we don't want very often. That's right. You say nervous David at this place, and you could be talking about any one of five or six people. You can't swing a dead cat around here without hitting a Dave. We're on the home stretch of this morning's uh, uh, episode of Uncontrolled Airspace, our final one here uh, at the uh, fly-in this year. Man, oh man, it's a nice day. I, I, you know, it's you Floridians don't well, get well, these kind of nice days very often, though. So yeah, actually, we do. You know, <laughs> uh, that's why we're still here. You not see the poster? Yeah, it's it's just beautiful, beautiful morning here. The airplanes are flying. The the breeze is blowing kind of gently, and uh, more and more people are arriving here on the flying grounds for the final day. Got a little popcorn cumulus popping up. That's right. That's right. We're joined on the deck now uh, by another pal of the uh, podcast, Dan Johnson's here. Good morning, Dan. How are you? Good morning, Uncontrolled Airspace. (laughs) So so you're one of the busiest guys on the field uh, throughout these events. Uh, You're out there waving the flag and singing the song. And uh, how's it been going? I make it look that way anyway. So that's that's the idea. As long as I've confused you, then I'm good. Yeah. You, it's you, uh, it's going well. It's actually uh, you know uh, we're just over and heard uh, lights uh, the new the new head guy here and their new chairman here Bob Knight uh, give kind of an early recap to the end of the week and uh, there were a number of positive things. I'll let them do their own whole show there, but there was an awful lot of people who noticed that traffic seemed to be down the first two or three days. Yeah, what and, did they have to say about that? And maybe it was uh, well. Uh, I'll let him do his part on that, but. Uh, uh, they said Friday, by the way, was a uh, all-time record for them. Really? Uh, so, yes, he acknowledged that the first few days were a little slow. But I want to come back to that because usually, and in preparation for my opportunity here with you guys, I go around and, and generally for all reasons, but this as well, to ask, you know, well, how'd you do, Mr. Bender? Uh, of course, I'm just doing that in my little space of the LSA guys and the light recreational aircraft. That's where I focus. And uh, almost all of them went, yeah, traffic was down, but... There was something qualified about the people that did make it so that there are airplane sales from those days. And almost everyone I spoke to said better than previous years Mm -hmm. uh, and several previous years. So 
You know, quantity is not everything. We know this from the smaller venue shows like Sebring and some of the other, in my case, again, all LSA shows. Yeah, they don't have nearly the huge crowds. And I know we all kind of like big crowds because it makes us feel like we're in the right spot or something, but that isn't necessarily the key to success. And so, you know what? If it was a little slower, maybe that was good. Well, this show, when they shifted from the Sunday opening day to Saturday closing day to the Tuesday through Sunday, the rhythm shifted a little bit toward the back end of the show. And we've seen that in more than one year. But you mentioned the traffic looking slow. Speaking with some of the vendors that are part of my work uh, earlier in the week, I was able to talk to them. They weren't crowded. And none of them were complaining because, yeah, there's not a lot of traffic, but we're selling a lot of stuff. Yeah, I heard that pretty universally. And, you know, uh, on Friday, it was thick out here. And Saturday was also thick. And they said uh, lights also announced that the night air show uh, was the biggest attendance they've ever had. They offered a $10 deal to get in and see the night air show. And I'm telling you, I was out there, and we're, we're near the main entrance to where our LSA mall is, so you can really watch it. They were coming in thick. They were 20 deep at the payment stations. He said a couple of other things that are interesting that he mentioned. He said the police, uh, local police that were doing the parking lot this year, much better. There weren't nearly the lines to get in and out. Uh, those of us that get to park somewhere else don't often deal with that, but if you're part of the group that comes here just as an attendee, you sometimes had a long wait to get in. They're making a couple of changes there, but, uh, for example, campers are going to come in from the north next year. That'll be a big help because it takes a while to get those guys through. That just blocks up traffic, so they're going to fix that. They said the uh, police really did a good job, people getting in and out better than ever. Where they had some delay was at that main gate where they were literally, I'm not kidding, 20 deep at every single window, and they were all operating. Uh, they're going to do more about that. But, you know, that's a good problem to have, as he mentioned. Sure, sure. Yeah, as long as the problem's not causing people to turn around and go, no, nah, I'm not doing this. And I didn't hear anything about that. Yeah, yeah so, you and know, some, that uh, we need the- this show to do well. He also mentioned non-member-supported, that is, you know, not an AOPA, not an EAA show where they have member support to do their things. This is the largest non-membership uh, uh, trade show is what I would call it, not a public air show like the Chicago Lakefront Festival. Biggest one in the world, so we need them that, to be that's successful. A, that's a very valid point. It is. A, yeah. It, it, yeah. It's really important because these folks run their own deal here. I mean, they are standalone. It's not like they're publishing a magazine, selling advertising 12 months a year, uh, selling membership right, they got to make it work this one week. Sure. And, that's uh, right. They're working hard. So their new chairman said a line that I think everybody out there can identify. He said he missed a meeting a couple of meetings ago. And that's when they elected him chairman of the board. <laughs> I hate when that happens. Well, will show you not to show up. Yeah. Talking with some of the uh, light sport makers here that a couple of years ago were going, well, we think we're going to be able to ride it out. We think we're going to be able to ride it out. Talking about the downturn in the economy. Speaking to a few of them here, it's kind of repeat visit. How is it compared to a couple of years ago? And two or three of the most cynical and, and, and hardest to impress were smiling going, we're sold out. We did great business. Well, you know, we're, we're way up, uh, and we got prospects going out for weeks. And you could tell the bounce in their step. It wasn't the, well, you know, uh, we were here, and we had some interest, and uh, we, we hope it'll turn into sales. It was like, we're selling airplanes here. Sure. You know, it, it comes down to a question of this. Uh, when, when things got lousy there for every, it's not just aviation, it's certainly not just light sport, it's all of the economy and all, all over the, the world. I mean, we shared this very widely, more than anyone would like. 
But, you know, then you start to get as small as you can because that's what you have to do to survive. And at least the little guys can even do that even better because they don't have a lot of uh, structural stuff to keep going during the downturns and whatnot. But now their problems are turning around to be the opposite. Now their lead times are starting to go up on getting manufactured product in. That's, again, a good problem to have. You can always ramp production up somehow. You've got to get quality people and you've got to have the right materials and all that. But still, you can raise that. So if they're having longer lead times, that means sales are beginning to exceed production, which was the opposite problem at the beginning when everybody was doing those blues things you mentioned, Dave. Then you need to get into that fine-tuning of where you don't want to have whitetail sitting there with no customer, but you don't want to be telling the customer, ah, yeah, the next available slot's in 14 months, and he turns around and walks to the other guy and says, I can get it to you in eight. Yeah. Right, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's a challenge for them all to do that. You know, it's never you can never make those two things in perfect well, equilibrium. Well, and that's not just at this end. That's all the way up and down, ABS. Sure, right, yeah. It's um, Whatever is shared by light sport guys in the world that I look at all the time, I see. All I have to do is look around or read Gamma's charts or whatever, and you can see this is a problem we all share worldwide. But, you know, I'll go uh, just for a second into FAA's recent 20-year forecast. Uh, you know, to me, that's that's uh, spreadsheet-based palm reading, uh, and I think their crystal ball's got a little fuzz in it. But uh, nonetheless, they're, they're, they've got the information. They're the ones people look at. They're saying two growth areas, biz jets and light sports. So, you know, I hope, I, I in noticed, a way, I hope they're right. In a way, I, I hope I they're wrong. That. I want it all to grow. But. I used to go to the forecast conference, and then it stopped being meaningful for me. And But I still collect the, the, the forecast report. Right. I get it from the FAA, and I sit down, and I went through it. And I got to the bottom of it and went, Let's look at that again. Yeah. Business turbine and light sport. Those are the two strongest growth areas. The the part 23 stuff that most of us participate in, that was the weakest one. Yeah, it was. So, you know, I mean, I don't feel good about that for that crowd. I mean, we need the whole thing to go up. But, sure. you know, you end up having to come back and focus on what yeah. you're doing. And, but the and growth I think in the right light sport area is seed, corn. For the stuff well, it is. Out. Whether people accept it or not, it is the new entry point, both the airplane and the uh, certificate, the sport pilot certificate. Yeah. Jeb, you just got you, you to hip check Dave into the boards <laughs> to get in here. <laughs> no, right. I, I haven't had really any reason to Oh, okay. Here. All right. Okay. So, Dan, in, uh, in addition we to the... We get paid by the word, you know. So. Uh, yeah, I know. Um, or apparently the lack of silence is what you... Yeah. <laughs> uh, in addition to the great story about how sales are good and, and, and you know people are happy in that regard... Uh, what are the other stories this week in the in the uh, uh, LSA world? Well, I would say the the biggest story of all. Those are those are things I'm glad to report. What I did earlier, but the biggest story of all for all of us in the light sports section is a move that's going to happen for 2013. This has been in planning for casually for a couple of years, more intensely in the last couple of months. And I just spoke with lights, and we're going to have a series of meetings in the next two months before their exhibitor packets go out in June. The plans have got to get firmed up and and written and be clear to everybody. And that is the LSA Mall is going to move from where its current location in the southeast exhibit area over to the very front of the Paradise City area. Oh, that's really nice. Yes! And one of the biggest single things that's going to help people go there is they uh, have this directly from the top top people at Sunday Fund. I didn't even ask for it, but they brought it up. They will allow us next year to fly demo flights and other things, other activities, during the main air show. While the aerobatics are going on, we will get to continue operating. That is huge really? for those people that want to go get a demo flight. Yeah. You don't have to go off field. There's some nice fields around here that get that business right now. Uh, but they are increasingly, it'll take a little while. It won't happen overnight. But they're going to be going down there to that area. Even if they've got an exhibit area over here in what the Sun and Fun calls a core area, they'll have a demo airplane down there. 
and we can make that arrangement for them if they're small so they can have just one in the mall and take that out. And A lot of things yet to be uh, confirmed, but that is the biggest news we've got, and I'm pleased to say I've been around talking to everybody about it. I've gotten a very good reception of that. So we think the charm that is represented by the crazy little stuff that happens in Paradise City uh, which has definitely been down, down, down. It's been sort of level now, maybe worth the bottom. It's going to start going back up. I won't make uh, rash predictions, but I'm hopeful about what that will do for yeah. all of aviation. You start there, it makes everything better. So. I, I agree. That's that's a terrific development. I was going to talk about Paradise City just a little bit here, um, because although there is the, sort of the heart of, a, of, of ultralights continues to, to beat down there. Still um, there, yes. It, it has gotten quieter there over the years, even since I've been coming to these things. And uh, in the last couple of years, and they've I, apparently have been made efforts over the last few years to, to make it a little bit more, I don't know how to characterize it, light sport friendly or something like that. Well, um, there's so, been some major construction effort right. that people are not even aware has happened over there. There, uh, there It's a 1,400-foot strip. It's plenty for all these people right. to operate yep. out of. And but, I noticed you know, this year in particular, I've seen a lot more light sport aircraft uh, operating off of that, that runway during the day. You know? Right. So one of the things they did was there were some kind of big, ugly ditches at each end of that runway. It's right. plenty of runway. There shouldn't be a problem. But we all know stuff happens. Uh, errors in judgment, errors in approach judgment, uh, you know, engines that don't operate right, brakes that fade, or, you know, whatever it is, stuff happens. And those ditches were ugly. One of them is already completely filled in. You could run right off the end of that thing and, you know, it wouldn't be what you want, but at least there wouldn't be any big penalty for it. The airport manager was around right at the beginning of the week, and that's where the money comes from. This isn't Sunday Fund money that does that. It's, uh, it's airport money. They will have the east end, the other end, filled in next year. And one of the reasons why they would spend the money to do that is the Aerospace Academy that's here now is going to use that strip, which is only open for one week a year for all 38 years of Sun and Fun, will begin being open all year long, and they will do basic training there for this academy right here. That's a big deal. That's brilliant. That is terrific. That it shows really a great terrific. commitment to that space, and so that's another reason why we think, all right, now's the time to really give another shove for that area. Yeah. And, um, so how will that work? Will that be part? Will that just be another runway of Lakeland Linder, or uh, it will not be under FAA's tower control? It'll be separately controlled uh, for those operations during the main air show. There'll be some requirements, right. and that's good. We but want I'm requirements throughout the rest of the year. Uh, yeah, right. It, well, I, I don't know. I suppose the tower will control it then. That'd be my guess. Yeah. But uh, that's a Sun and Fun or CFAA thing to make that judgment. And it's just getting started. But mm-hmm. they yeah. are committed to that happening. It will be open year round. It is a DOT approved space. So. Uh, those are things that weren't true in the Boy, past, just and it's great news. Opens up all kinds oh, of yeah, possibilities. It very, very much like the uh, the Pioneer Airport area of the other. Yeah, exactly. Up the they road, make that you know? work there, and that's yeah. close. And uh, this can be similar. Yeah. Uh, they'll have to be radio equipped. It won't be the ones that don't have radios and stuff, yep. because if they need to say, "Hey, if if you're not back on the ground now, stay away. We've got an incident or whatever." So they'll have to have controls, and they'll probably ask for the pilots and airplanes to prove their credential. But that's all absolutely fine. Yeah. Other LSA stories? Any products? Any new airplanes? Any uh, dear departed airplanes? Well, you know, one of the things that's been kind of interesting to observe is, uh, well, first of all, Rotax had a huge announcement, and uh, that was a big deal at the beginning of the week. They did it overseas. They came here and did it, and they're going to go back to Europe now, and they're getting a lot of good mileage. That's this out of electronic their... engine. Yeah, electronically controlled, fuel-injected engine, and it's a nice development with a 20% fuel savings on an engine that was already very miserly in its use of fuel, and as we all watch prices grow alarmingly, I hope that really won't continue, but uh, if it does, at least they've got a good solution for it. But while Rotax is getting a lot of mileage, well-deserved, 
Uh, Lycoming is appearing more and more on the scenes of LSA now, and there are more airplanes getting Lycoming equipped. Uh, for one, we have our first two aerobatic airplanes in the light sports space. We haven't had that before because Rotax doesn't want you to use their airplane. What, their what are the two? That There's that... Uh, um it's the Renegade Falcon, okay. and they're kind of leading that charge. That's the one I wasn't familiar with. They and tightened up with Lycoming, and Lycoming appreciated their work together, I guess, and so that seems to be working. They've now installed that engine on the FK-12 Comet, the, the biplane one. from uh, Europe, and both are, are fully aerobatically capable aircraft, and they just lack the right engine. So now they're going to have the right engine. Plus, for all the guys that, like me, like all you guys and many others listening, uh, we grew up on Lycoming and Continental. We're familiar with those. We like those. And uh, they're a little heavier. They take some useful load away, but the comfort factor is good for those pilots that are used to that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else is going So, now, this is actually not LSA. This is more of a question for Dave. Um, we're talking about that, that neighborhood down there, uh, Paradise City. Did you ever get down to look at Choppertown, David? No, I did not. I saw flying going on over at Choppertown, over at the far east end of the uh, uh, of the field. Well, I'll tell, I'll jump in and say this is my thirty fifth of thirty eight uh, Southern funds. Of course, I came here my first year. I was two years old. Two years old, yeah. And yeah. Uh, I've learned a lot since then. But uh, yeah, and I'm you, still lying. And as you, you were can so adorable. Tell. <laughs> and you were so adorable. I was so then. cute. Everybody loved me. Know, said, yeah, "Please right. keep coming back for yeah. thirty five more years until you grow up." And uh, so finally, I've achieved it. The grown up part, maybe. But anyway, I made my first, I, I, I'm chagrined to say this, 35 years of coming here, I made my first visit to Choppertown this year. Oh. That's uh, like shameful of me not to have gone before. What did you think? But the good news I want to add, well, you know, they've done a lot of work down there, those fellows have, and it's an interesting thing. And it's, it's kind of like seaplanes. It's its own world. Yeah. Uh, but the interesting thing about those changes mentioned earlier about Paradise City is at least the gyros, maybe not the heavy helicopters, because it's a light plane area. They really wouldn't be appropriate. So they may need to be a little separation and, and those guys are a little concerned about change as all we are as we all are but uh we're going to have uh rotorcraft back in paradise city as well which is just more stuff more excitement more flying and to me that's all good of course it requires some more planning about how to do it safely but they got a good there's 186 i think volunteers in just that one area and well managed by their leader dave piper and uh, they're ready for it and uh, so a lot of work to be done but there's going to be more stuff and Maybe Choppertown becomes part of Paradise City. That may be the ultimate plan, and that makes it a lot closer. They're, they're, you know, they, there's something good about being way out, but, man, they are way out. You've got to do some work out. to get there. That's so, a little bit of a challenge. So we hope yeah. for the best for them, too, and for how that all folds into the big picture. Yeah. One of the things, Dan, that was a, a big story, or not a big story, but a bit of a buzz uh, back in January at Sebring was uh, a couple of uh, rumors, if you will. Uh, one was a rumor that uh, they were perhaps beginning to consider raising the weight limit for LSA. Do, do you know anything about that? Has anything more come out of that buzz? Yeah, actually, I know more than I would like about that because uh, it came back that I had said that FAA was going to do that. I never said that, and it didn't. They didn't say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is talk in some quarters about that, but FAA has made zero commitment to discuss that. I don't really think they want to. They've set a number, uh, and you know, if they change the experiment partway through, well, how do you know if the experiment was a success? So, mm-hmm. I seriously doubt there'll be any movement in that near term. But there are certain producers that feel they could use a little more to do certain things. And uh, uh, there is an argument that says, well, look at every two-seater built that was used for training. What is their gross weight? They tend to be around 1,600 pounds. 
at 1,300 pounds, you've got quite a bit less structure. And, yes, carbon fiber and some other things have helped maybe uh, narrow that gap a bit, but that technology is not so significant that you suddenly can take 300 pounds off an airplane and have the same thing, the same utility aircraft that you did for training. Now, there are other people that say, no, it's plenty of weight. 1320 is fine. We've got a lot of good aircraft. We do have LSA with 4,000, 5,000 hours of training. They're holding up fine. Uh, they, of course, require maintenance like any aircraft does, but I think the odds of that weight increase, EAA and AOPA said they will investigate that with FAA, and that's fine, and they're doing that member thing with the uh, third-class medical, too. And you know, it's great these big member organizations are doing stuff, but uh, it's it's terribly premature to say FAA is going to do anything about that weight number at this time. Yeah. Uh, finally, uh, what are the big stories we're going to be hearing in the next, you know, six you know, months or a year, you know, between now and that other fly-in up the road. What's, are, there, are there LSA stories a-brewing? Well, the very next big thing in, in, in the world that I inhabit is the uh, upcoming German aero show, uh, German show called Aero. Uh, that's in just a couple of weeks, and one reason why we're here a little bit earlier than we have been in the past is because those two shows are now coordinating, thank goodness, because there was a few years when they actually overlapped, or one year when they specifically overlapped, and I can't get, I can't go this year, but that is another great show. And what it tells me is is just a further confirmation of LSA is maybe an American invention, at least by the use of that term, but this is a global thing. Brazil is now wide open to LSA, and American companies are selling LSA to Brazil. That also includes Australia, Colombia, South Africa. The European Union is moving in the right direction, albeit rather slowly. China is moving in that direction, has already accepted ASTM. This is a global thing, and aviation is a global activity. So the more we realize all that and we act as a uh, planet of pilots, I think that's a good term, uh, good term uh, for the uh, uh, LSA people to pay attention to, and it's part of the overall equation. Yep. Uh, they will announce they always do some cool new airplanes from Aero, and uh, we hope to have some of that. I've got a guy that's going to report even in my absence, and so I'll try and cover all that on my website, and others, others will as well. So. Uh, it, the, 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 the bursting of bubbles is starting to happen here. More things are uh, champagne bubbles, not bad bubbles. And uh, I think it's going to be a good time ahead of us here, and we look forward to a further development of positive news in this year. Well, Dan, thank you. Dan Johnson of uh, Light Aircraft Manufacturers Association. And uh, where do people find you on the Internet? Well, pretty easy if you just remember the name Dan and then put by in front of it. So it's by Dan Johnson. Came from articles, I write. That's why it's that name. And uh, by DanJohnson.com. Uh, we've got pretty much the, uh, the, the, the one of the leading places to go to for LSA news and information of all kinds. So go there. From there, you can branch out and find just about anybody or anything you want in the light end of aviation. Great. Thank you so much for taking some time this morning. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Well, boys, we've got a couple more minutes here before we wrap this thing up. And uh, it's another sun and fun. Uh, Almost in the can. Almost in the can. Actually, there's a whole day going on here. Well, that's true. Um, for uh, attendees, they got a full-blown air show later on this afternoon. The the T-Bird, Thunderbirds, excuse me, are going to be flying again, and uh, uh, along with all the other air show acts, that's good. What are, what are you guys up to for the rest of the day? Uh, do a little bit of more roaming around, uh, see a couple of things that I maybe didn't get a chance to see, and uh, I'm going to head home. i got to... Uh, uh, pack up and, and bug out tomorrow. Morning. Yeah, that's right. You're heading out on an, on another assignment. On another uh, mission. Yeah. 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 So, uh, uh, yeah, I think I'm, I'm I've I've already been through all of the exhibit areas at least once, but I, I have an urge to just go and kind of use the force, Luke. You know, and wander through exhibits. And uh, uh, I, I'll tell you one project that I'm kind of curious to I'm 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 thinking about getting doing some work on is i'm trying to understand better and i should talk with uh, with uh, jamie more about this i'm trying to understand better 
what makes an appealing airport appealing. An appealing airport? Yes. Why? You know, we all have had experiences where we say, I love such and such an airport, all right? And, you know, sometimes it's as simple as fuel price. Maybe that's what it is, all right? But I'd like to understand better what are the attributes of a great general aviation airport. And so I'm going to wander around and visit some of the uh, the, uh, uh, residential air park uh, exhibits and some of the others, and I'm just kind of curious to see what that's all about. I may report more of that on the the podcast in the future. David, what are you up to the rest of the day? You're actually – so Jeb and I are both going to take off in a couple hours, but you're here for tonight and leaving tomorrow morning. Morning. What are you up to today? Well, there are a couple of stops that I'd like to make, a couple of people I haven't yet been able to visit with to the extent that I'd like to. I didn't want to compete with their uh, purchasing audience for some stuff. So we're going to backtrack over with them, uh, maybe visit a couple of other folks just purely socially, see how they're doing. I haven't had a chance to catch up with them. Uh, make a few notes, uh, get settled in, and get ready to uh, to uh, bug out of here tomorrow. Uh, there's going to be some logistical challenges and multiple rental boxes to return at different airports and then connect with an airplane elsewhere, and it'll all come together in the end. Yeah. Flying home in somebody's personal... You got to hold the microphone, otherwise we can't hear what he says. <laughs> I said he forgot. He's going to take Dave Shellbetter out for a nice steak dinner tonight on UCAP's budget. Wow! So, I think I, I know I know somebody that could make that happen. Did, did we vote on that? <laughs> I, I know. Six years ago, six years ago, when we were just a little baby podcast, and uh, we were just kind of trying to figure out what this was all about and what we were going to do here, uh, uh, through Dave Higdon, uh, we reached out to Dave's friend, Dave Shellbetter. And, uh, you know, we said, well, we're going to go to Sun and Fun, and we were wondering if maybe we could somehow, some way, do Dave, our podcast. Dave jumped up and said, I've been listening to your podcast, Doc, with your buddies. You ought to come on our radio show. Yeah, and so uh, Dave and, and all of his staff here have been just incredible hosts for us for six years. This year was absolutely no difference. It's just been a thrill. The to world has never been the same since. And to hang out here. Uh, <laughs> 300 times over, I hear. Yeah. Getting uh, close. Uh, a handful of people I want to thank, but I want to thank them very, very uh, heartfeltly. Uh, of course, Dan Johnson, thank you for thank taking you for having me. And keep up the good work, guys. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, Jamie Beckett of FlightMonkeys.com is uh, a good friend of the podcast and uh, always uh, entertaining and informative to uh, listen to. We appreciate him taking some time this morning. Um, I, I want to uh, thank and, and give one more shout out to all of our listeners who we bump into here at these shows. It's just a huge thrill for me and a huge pleasure to uh, to make these new friends. And so I, I thank them all. A few of them have been sitting here this morning, and uh, you know we just kind of meet them as we wander around, and uh, that's always a thrill. Don't ever hesitate to say hi if you see us. We, we really enjoy that. Um, I said, as I said earlier, cannot enough uh, thank uh, Dave Shellbetter for all of his yeah. hospitality, and, and thank you and to all the, of the staff. all the crew here, the engineering crew, the the uh, the interns, the volunteers. Um, just a, a, a wonderful uh, a group of people and, and pleasant to work with and, and uh, uh, professional. It's, it's a pleasure to be here. It absolutely is. Absolutely is. That's Dave Higdon. That's Jeb Burnside. I'm Jack Hodgson. David, were you going to say something? There's only one way to look at old as us, as old as us. Go fly because time's been flying. It's not subtracted from your flight span. Flight lifespan. Wow. <laughs> Easy, Easy for, for you to, to say. say. <laughs> English is my first language. It's a different kind of flying altogether. And, and believe it or not, that's enough talking. Let's go flying.
members of the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast are participating as private individuals. Their comments do not necessarily reflect the views of the various organizations they work with. Also, anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously very general. You should always consider your own situation, remember your training, and fly the airplane. But you knew that.